let's normalize just getting over it. Like everybody move on. Pregnant women give birth and still have bellies. I got cellulite everywhere. It's like, it's okay. It's okay. Let's move on. It's just like so tired. Like this ongoing so discussion. So tired. Of, so yesterday. It is so, and that's actually what Hillary Duff's song was about. It was about... <laughs> so yesterday. So yesterday. And she was actually talking about <laughs> my body. And I was going, Hillary, come on. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Normalize This. This is famously the show where we discuss whether or not ideas, trends, and behavior should be normalized in everyday society. My name is Adam Rippon. Are you sure? Because I'm actually not sure. <laughs> there are some days where I wish I was Danielle Young. I wish you were Danielle Young sometimes so you could really see and really feel. But I wish you I know... could really see and really feel. <laughs> Because everybody wants to be a Black woman at least one point in their lives. If they're not, don't lie to yourselves. You know it's true. But mm-hmm. I'm Danielle Young, famously. If you are, That is very, that's a very famous take yes. that you're Danielle Young. <laughs> um, and Danielle, today we are going to discuss body positivity. Ooh, I love it. Let's get in there because it's, it's one of them topics. Yeah, I, I love it too. Yeah, it, it had a little moment. I don't know. I think it's still happening. Like, you can't stop body positivity, right? But I think it had, like, a a big, huge pop culture moment a couple years back, and it comes back every once in a while when someone dares to love themselves. It's truly a dare to love yourself. so brave. (laughs) It is. (laughs) But make sure you guys stick with us as we unpack... And hopefully normalize body positivity. But also later in the show, we'll be playing our amazing and famous game, Keep It or Curve It. it. So many famous (laughs) things on this podcast. It's a famous podcast. Um, Because apparently more people than my dad listen. And that is very exciting. Very. I'm very excited about that. We love your dad listening, but we also love that other people aside from him listen. And other people's dads are listening. Yes. I think Blue Ivy's dad listens. I think he does and too. You know who I think that is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the edge of his seat every Sunday night waiting for Monday to come in. But mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> He's going, "Oh my god, it's almost Monday." B, it's almost Monday. <laughs> and she's like, "What are you talking about, Jay?" And he's like, "Uh." Cuz B doesn't know. listen yet. Beyoncé doesn't listen yet, yet, but we know we're going to get her. She sees Jay-Z listening in the corner often. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's where he listens to podcasts. But yes, continue listening (laughs) so you can hear it not only keep it a curb it, but um, everything else that me and Adam are going to dig into for this episode. And before we get into that, Adam, Mm -hmm. what's your fun fact? Ugh, I don't know. I, okay, I actually do have a fun fact. My fun fact, Ah! this is not really, no, I don't. You know that I don't. You never do. His facts are rarely fun. No, and they're mostly <laughs> observations of myself. Not facts at all. <laughs> no, they're actually opinions. They're opinion pieces. They're not <laughs> factual in like the sense of being a fact at all. Um, okay, Danielle, I have been thinking about getting a buzz cut. Ooh, you're speaking my language. Well, I basically, it would mean that we would have the same haircut. I love that for us. I do, too. I kind of want to do it. Do it. What's making you want a buzz cut? I don't know. I'm just like, keep looking at my hair and I'm like, do I need all of this? No. No. You never really (laughs) do. I don't really need all of that. No, there's nothing more positive about like, if we're like digging into body positivity this episode, this is actually a really good part of body positivity. Because once you go like bald, Mm -hmm. no matter who you are, it's like... Well, for men, I feel like maybe it's a little bit easier because usually you don't have much hair. But there's a lot of like nakedness to being completely bald. Oh, truly. But you know what? I I need to let the listener know that um, 
you do have uh, a very short haircut, but you have a really beautiful shaped head. And so I'm scared Top to notch. know my true shape. Like you've never head. seen your true head shape? I know it's basic silhouette, obviously, but I don't know. But you know don't know what's up under there. Yeah, because sometimes people have like lumps and bumps and bridges. Yeah, and but you got to love your lumps and bumps. Love that lumpy head. <laughs> I don't know if I have one to love yet. But hopefully we'll see it. I, I like the idea. That is a fun fact. If, and if indeed you are getting the buzz cut. Yeah, I think I'll start off with, uh, I don't know. We'll see. He's already we'll see not how... getting it. Y'all hear this? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll just see. We'll just see. A little okay? off the top. Yeah. So what are you willing to share with us as a fun fact today, Danielle? Well, um, I guess the, well, the thing that's on my mind is... <laughs> This relates right on back to Beyonce, but it's more of a fun fact for my homie than it is for me. (laughs) Um, But I found out recently that one of my friends is nominated for a Grammy and not only nominated for a Grammy, gonna win it. Like by the time this episode comes out, it will be one. Um, But for his work on Beyonce's Renaissance album. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, he did Your some friend production is going to be a winner. and some writing, and I think maybe even a vocal or two, if I'm not misspeaking, on "Cozy," one of my favorites. Well, the whole oh, Renaissance album is one a of my favorites. But like, come on! And this is also a body positive song about being comfortable and cozy in your skin and loving yourself and all this stuff. So yeah, I was really excited to see that my friend was nominated for a Grammy for his work with Beyonce. Like, what in the world? <laughs> wow, that is it. That is incredible. I um was uh, did not work on that album. So. No, you did it. But shout no. out to my homie David Giles. We are so proud of you. We're so proud of you, David. <laughs> so, Adam, let's start off this conversation first of all defining what body positivity is because you know what I think people think that it's specifically geared towards people like me, people who are overweight, obese, even, but people who have a lot more to love, usually get the body positive stamp on them, on us. But it's not just like an overarching phrase of people who are plus size or in different bodies. It's just like literally accepting yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> in whatever yeah. shape, whatever size, whatever abilities, um, rather than conforming to what society deems as beautiful or what they continue to show us in the media, on the pages of the magazines, on TV screens. And it emphasizes us accepting ourselves, not only just the outside, but the inside, our inner worth and appreciating what our bodies can do for us. And I think if people look at it like that, rather than like some hot buzzword phrase or hashtag to promote a certain type of body size, because I think it's funny mm-hmm. in, in the years that I've been on the internet, I've definitely been told that because I am the size that I am and I show off, you know, myself unapologetically that I'm indeed promoting uh, obesity or p- promoting an unhealthy lifestyle when I'm just living and existing and sharing that. Right. So I think it's kind of like sad that people do that. I think that's so unfair and it is sad. And I will say of the body positivity movement, the sentiment behind it is the same for everyone, like truly like loving the skin that you're in, accepting your body for everything that it like can, everything it does for you, you know, celebrating all of the things that like make us different. But it really is, you know, our plus size friends who like are the champions and they they rally this movement. And I so appreciate that because so many of the things that like I've seen online have like really helped me in, in accepting the way that my body has changed over the last few years. Oh, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, it's just so crazy to me that if you share yourself on the internet and you are not the picture of perfection, whatever that is, whatever that could possibly look like, people actually think that you shouldn't love yourself. You should. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, put that away. You're like, I'm in a bathing suit. Like, even if I was naked or whatever the case may be, like, it's so weird to me that people's automatic reaction is against my existence. Like, am I really supposed to not thrive? 
Am right. I really supposed to not be able to be happy with the way that I look? just because it's not what you deem appropriate or beautiful is weird to me that people actually get upset about other people's bodies. It, I think it's so strange. Yeah, I think it's so like, strange because we're about? all built differently. We like, are we're all, all built, built differently. differently. And I think it's so cool that people like me exist. People like you even, like you are not overweight by anybody's standards, but like you don't have the picture perfect body, like because no one does. But it's like I'm like, okay, this is the first time I'm hearing this. So I don't have newsflash. <laughs> your body is perfect. Is <laughs> but it's not whatever society thinks, because who yes. knows whatever like that consensus is. Maybe it's Michael B. Jordan's body. I don't know. But that is perfect. That actually, like, I, if I'm we're talking, actually, if we're talking perfection, it's yeah, very, it's, I'm actually okay with everyone Jonathan hating Majors, themselves. Your body if is they perfect. They don't look like, yeah, I, I'm okay with that. I think that's a good. I can't standard. wait for Creed. Anyway, um, <laughs> Creed three. Ugh, that's gonna be very body positive for me. But yes, I think that it's so weird that people honestly get upset. Like Lizzo is constantly. I don't even want to say defending because she doesn't feel defensive. She just feels, I think she's defending us. Mm -hmm. I, she's very aware that her existence means a lot to the entire world, but also to so many girls um, and, and whatever uh, gender, whoever's looking at her and feels inspired because she exists and she exists so boldly. Like I went to a concert and I'm screaming my head off singing the whole time, but like I had to stop and like look around to see how many people, like the entire stadium, dancing and enjoying someone who looks like me on stage, twerking, mm -hmm. like popping it, bending over, shaking every ounce of her body. And I just, I'm so empowered by that. Like I could only imagine if someone like Lizzo existed when I was a little girl, how much time would have been saved agonizing over what I looked like and not feeling worthy or good enough um, and just feeling ugly as a kid because I was bigger than. Like it's so beautiful to be able to see the diversity of bodies, you mm -hmm. know, seeing models on the runway with prosthetic legs or in wheelchairs or, you know, like that to me is just... What a time to be alive. The diversity of like beauty is, it shouldn't even be considered diversity, but it is so refreshing that the world seems to be opening up. Yeah, we celebrate each other's differences because I, I don't know, it's just, it's so, it, it, it really helps you like look at yourself and those things that you look in the mirror and you're like, ugh. I don't, I don't love this. It, Listen, it helps you look at them and go like, no, this is like kind of what makes my body special. Yeah. And like, this helps me do so many things. It helps me like pursue my passions. This body is there for me to, you know, get me through so many things that, that if we can sit back and we can celebrate, you know, this amazing vessel that we have, it's, um, it's so important. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't want to be like, oh, you know, unrealistic and be like, oh, you need to be celebrating yourself because I, I understand how difficult that can be. But I do think that it is very easy to have negative self-talk and mm -hmm. having to train yourself. I've had to train myself over the years because the negative self-talk very much still comes in. Um, and I've gone through phases where I've uh, loved my body. I've loathed my body. I've loved it. I don't understand it. It's changing. I'm aging in a way that I'm feeling things differently um, that I've never really felt before when it comes to like exercising and I need more time to recover now than before. And that mm -hmm. can like all of those things can assist with that negative self-talk. So having to train my brain to be kind to myself. Do you know how like kind we are to Beyonce? <laughs> I do know. You know what I mean? Like she can I do no wrong. Am. Yes. Personally, yeah. I will scream her praises from the rooftop. She just, she does no wrong for me. I'm always praising. And I'm like, how great would it be to be able to treat yourself like that? Treating yeah. yourself like something or someone you love. And I try my best every day to make sure that I 
love myself and more so than the celebration because the celebration takes some climbing to get to. It has for me. But at the very least, I can be accepting of what I Mm -hmm. have and the body that I have. And I've been telling everybody lately to watch uh, Stutz on Netflix, S-T-U-T-Z, Stutz. It's a documentary about Jonah Hill's therapist, uh, you know, the famous actor, comedian Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen it yet. Uh, so now I'm one of the I people that you're wait recommending until it to. you see it because it's so brilliant in how you kind of get to know Stutz to the 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 uh, psychologist and mm-hmm. some of the tools that he uses and the things that are going on also in his life and his health, but how he breaks things down and. The first one of the things that sticks with me and that I like go back to in that documentary is like he's talking about depression and things like that, where so many of us get into these places where we don't know what to do, how to do, where to go, what move to make. We're overwhelmed. We're stressed out. We and we're paralyzed. And mm-hmm. he was like, the one thing that you can always contribute to is yourself. So if you start with yourself, no matter what that looks like, your body, yourself, that'll be the focus and that'll be the start. And as you start doing that, focusing in on yourself, everything else can, you know, come into place behind that. But your focus is making sure that you are okay, whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever. But like being at your tip top shape is key. Yeah. And that doesn't mean skinny. It doesn't mean six pack. It doesn't mean, you know, all these things. It just means good for you. Yeah. What it's like a mind you. and body combination. Yeah. And I think that to me speaks a lot towards body positivity because it gives you agency. It gives you power to say, like, I can start on my own self. It doesn't mean I'm going to solve every problem, quote unquote, problem I have with my body today. But if I want to, let's say, release some pounds and I say I'm going to focus in on myself and my body, then what are some of the actions that I can take that are going to support that? Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to eat something that's going to nourish me, but not, you know, make me sluggish. And now I want to go to a workout class or what? Like, so to me, I think that it is body positivity has a lot to do with your mental health. Because I think about like little Danielle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can you tell me a little bit about little Danielle? I mean, she just hated herself. Yeah. You know, this is I I wanted to ask you like a little bit about your journey with body positivity, because I've definitely had like a wicked road with it. But I want to hear. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can only imagine as an athlete, you know, and having to fit in certain standards and stuff. But like. Yeah, I just, um, I've always been a big girl my entire life. And Mm -hmm. my sister, I'm one of six, and my sister that's closest to me in age has always been skinny. Um, The Mm. cute, this cute skinny one. And so growing up and hearing those type of comments about her and like not hearing those comments about me being pretty or, you know, just hearing certain things about how, what I eat and things like, I've always had a cloud over my head about the body I was in. Yeah. And I thought that I could like, maybe like I was too poor. (laughs) I was too poor to go on diets growing up. Like that wasn't real. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, like there wasn't a lot of like a one healthy choices that I could make. Like, I'm not going to like say my mom didn't do a good job. Like she did what she could. But in a lot of those times, it wasn't like we were sitting down eating a bunch of things that were nourishing. And healthy. So it was like, I'm going through life and I don't have the, and I didn't even, I'm thinking about this now because back then I wasn't thinking I don't have the tools to support a healthy lifestyle. I just thought, oh my God, I can't be skinny. Mm. Like I, I don't, I don't have the tools to be skinny. I don't understand why my sister sits down and eats the same meal I eat, but she's skinny. Yeah. And so I just didn't understand that we all had our own journeys in that way. And I just always took on my body and my fat and my just the space I took up. I I, I was embarrassed and Mm. just there was a lot of hatred around that. And I've I've said on this podcast before, because God knows I get so personal. You do, but it's why I love you. I'm like, why do I get this personal? Like no one's listening. (laughs) I'm listening. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm listening. I'm all ears. Yeah, but I just was thinking about like how I have talked about like wanting to, I guess, be like someone else. Like I talked about catfishing and I mm-hmm. used to write these stories in, in my notebooks about being... I would specifically write the physical features of a different person. I've always just wanted to be someone else. Like I would look around the class and be like, oh, I want her body type. And I want her hair and I want her this and her that. Um, because yeah. I was just literally never satisfied with myself and what I looked like in the mirror. And it I, it took adulthood <laughs> to bring me into some form of acceptance. Mm-hmm. I still don't celebrate my body, even though if people would look at me online and think I do because my, I'm always wearing my belly out. I don't care about wearing my arms out in, in gowns and things like that. I don't, you know, it doesn't cringe me to show up showing certain parts of my body. Mm-hmm. But maybe that is celebrating. Maybe I am downplaying the fact that I've gotten to this point. It's not where I specifically want to be. I would love to be a lot tighter. There's body... um body types I have in mind of the, you know, the type of body I would love to get to, but I don't beat myself up about it like that anymore. Mm -hmm. For me, like my body image was so rooted in what could it physically do for me, especially like as an athlete. And so I, Mm -hmm. it was, I remember um, that when I first started working with one of my coaches He's from uh, Georgia, but like worked in um, in Russia for a really long time. And of course, he came with this magic math problem that was like you added your height in centimeters and then you subtracted this number. And then that was like the magic number of of exactly what you needed to be based on. Danielle, when I tell you it was based on absolutely no Lord. science, I mean that right. with every and just exactly. divided numbers. And so to and I fro. remember that I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to have the magic number. I know it. And so I did the math and then I did my weight. And then I was looking at the numbers and my coach is standing there with me. And I was like at least 15 pounds heavier than this like magic number. And I remember oh, wow. being like, oh, I remember being really embarrassed and it was easy for me to look around and I and I um I tried to make sense of things. And so I could look around and I could see some of the people that I skated with. I'm five seven. And so I could see other people I skated with were five seven. And they were just slighter frames. And so like I would just be 15 pounds heavier than they were, 20 pounds heavier. And it was just the way that I was built. And I mean, I was really low body fat percentage. Another like fact that doesn't really mean anything. It wasn't so much I looked in the mirror and was like, I just wish I was smaller. It was like, okay, if I can get smaller, I'll be better. And so I never looked in the mirror and was like, I hate myself, but I would always look at my at myself in the mirror and be like, your body is a machine and you need this machine to run as well as possible. And so in those like moments, I remember that like I put myself on these crazy, crazy diets. And the really awful thing was that as I started to lose the weight, you know, in my sport, it was like I started to look lighter on the ice. I started to, you know, be able to do more things. And so as my like eating was more and more restricted. I think the most I ever restricted myself was like, have you ever drinking like um, one of those like drinkable yogurts? It's called like kefir or kefir. And so I would have one of those big bottles and that's all I would have like the whole day. And I remember that like I started to, obviously that's not healthy. Are you kidding me? And so I remember that um, I started to like lose weight and I got a lot of praise for it. And And that's the it's the worst part. And so then it was like I took this praise and it just fueled me to go even more wild. And it kind of came all to a front where it was a few years before the Olympics. 
And I was just warming up to get onto the ice for training. And I did something really just, I did a little jump and I came down and I just broke my foot. And I'm a million percent sure that it was because I was so malnourished that like I broke this bone. Your foot just it gave, gave up. up. But luckily my foot gave up before my whole oh my body did. Yeah, what a warning. Like that's, there's so many people that go through that kind of uh, crash dieting and things like that, extreme thought processes around dropping the weight. And then the point that you made around the praise. Yeah. The it way the that praise. people really like love the way you slim down. I've lost a hundred pounds before. And it took me like maybe two years to do, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I kept it off for a couple of years, which is so hard to do, to lose that amount of weight. And the amount of people, like people who love me, my family, friends, like everybody, of course they're excited for you because there is a link between obesity and health, but it doesn't necessarily correlate every single time and I no, get it doesn't. why people would be happy to see you slim down because then that to them it means more life right yes a hundred percent because it was like I I uh, and it's so something that like is in sports culture that when you see somebody lean down you take that as oh they're serious oh, they're now. focused like, oh I could never focused. be that focused Yeah, a hundred percent. And so it wasn't until I was like in the later part, probably the last two years before the Olympics that like I, I had to track my weight. It was just something I had to do because I wanted to know like, like what was my best training weight? Cause I also learned that I did drop that 15 pounds. Like I was training at 135 pounds and that I was awful. I didn't have any energy. I was truly so awful. And once I gained it back, I was in this range of like 147 to like 150. And when I was in that 147 to 150, I was doing really well. And I, I wanted to track it just for my own research because there were some times that like, you know, when you're training every day, there's some days where you're just so tired and you're exhausted and you feel heavy. And I would go into the rink and I would train and it wouldn't be great. And, you know, I would just feel like, okay, I need to get into shape or I get some comment from somebody that like, you know, you just need to like keep working and getting in shape. And I would go and I'd weigh myself. And sometimes I'd weigh myself and I'd be like 145. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, fast forward a week later, I, I make sure that I'm eating properly and doing well. Everybody's like, wow, you look so much better. You look really lean and fit. And I'm back at 150. I gained five pounds. Right. So, so the was number that, is like, never even. No, that number is like it's a guy. And it was really helpful, helpful for me as a guideline, because I really always struggled with that tendency to that feeling of hungry. I still and it's really bad. I still like can associate that with working hard. And that feeling of hungry means like, oh, you're working hard when really it's that's not that's not right. It's I've just associated, I've connected those dots and I have to always work to disconnect them um, because it was just the way that I had like programmed myself that hungry meant good, full meant lazy. And it was like that was so wrong and it was so unhealthy Mm -hmm. that it, it took so much work to get past that. And since I've retired, I'm now like anywhere between an, another 15 and 20 pounds heavier than I was when I competed at the Olympics, which was another hurdle to get through because it was just so weird to like, you know, like not have any fat on your body at all. You're just the leanest you are. And and at and in those lean moments, you're looking at yourself and you're like, there's still just like a little bit of fat here. And if I can get rid of that, like I'll I'll just be my best. And then you think that way forever. And then all of a sudden you get into a more normal life. And for at least two years after the Olympics, I did not go into the gym at all. I did not work out at all. And so that that the tone of my body was totally different. It was I was really like a much softer version of myself. And it was like, oh, my God, like what the fuck happened? Yeah. And it was like I had to reprogram 
that like going to the gym was something that made me feel good. And I needed to find a way to to realize that I didn't need to go to the gym. Every workout didn't need to be I'm getting ready for the Olympics, which every workout before was. Right. It was now every workout was to make me feel better. And yeah. I've gotten re-addicted to like going to the gym because it makes me feel good. And I've learned to like... L- appreciate all of the things my body does and really I'm you know it's something I work on all the time is to like let go of of those like crazy expectations that I would put on myself oh yeah because I mean what's the point there's no point there's no point I think you know we have to do what we have to do to remain alive for sure and a lot of our health is correlated directly to what we're eating and how we're treating our bodies And honestly, the better you're eating and the better you're treating your body, the leaner you should be for sure. But I think it just is fitness and health is not just it's not a one size fits all type Mm -mm. of thing. Um, You know, the biggest loser dude, I'm blanking on his name, but he had a heart attack. Right. And he's like the picture of health. So like you never actually know how someone's body is moving and working on the inside, you know, even if people are looking like the epitome of health. And so I just, I don't want people, whoever's listening, to feel guilt or hatred when it comes to how you feel about yourself and your body. It's hard. I know it's hard because I, I feel hard. like gaining that 100 pounds back and and now years later more than that it feels daunting a lot of the times when i go to the gym or when i'm you know focused on eating clean and things like that it just feels like girl you remember what it took to get there and you were in your 20s so now it's much harder <laughs> um but i also know that it's not going to change now you don't see it every single second that you're looking in the mirror you see it over time Um, And so it's just, there is such a practice to body positivity and loving oneself. Oh my God, it's a never, it's It's a never ending practice. It's just not going to be over. (laughs) (laughs) There's never, I don't think there's a moment. I think there's moments that I can think of where I was like, okay, like moments of acceptance, but it's like this constant and continuous like work. Yeah, I'm always having to accept myself. I'm always trying to accept myself. Yeah, and somebody like me who's a plus-size person moving through this world, I'm constantly thinking of the space I take up. You mm. know, I'm constantly thinking of how I need to move and and if someone's going to see me struggle and um, am I going to fit this chair? Am I going to get stuck in this chair? Is the chair going to bend under me? Like, there's so many things that I think about on a daily basis when I'm, like, moving through the world, that it can be really difficult to keep it positive. But I think, you know, in the in the times where I have difficulty with certain movements in the gym or fitting in certain spaces, literally, I just try to switch that negative talk by, like, cutting it immediately yeah. and telling myself it's okay. How do you cut it? What do you say to yourself? I hear it coming. And this is why I say to watch Stuts on Netflix. This is not an ad at all unless Netflix want to get down, honey. But because, right. um, <laughs> you know, they they talk about, you know, a lot of the uh, negative self-talk and, and what that part of ourselves is. And I like in watching that, I realized that it's it's just up to me. The same way that that negative talk comes in and I immediately think, oh, my God, you're just so fat. Like, this is so embarrassing. You shouldn't have came out like you should have just stayed home. I think to myself, no, like. I can move. Mm -hmm. And I know that's so basic, but there's so many different types of bodies and abilities out here. There's people with disabilities who have hard time, like an even harder time than I have, obviously, with Mm -hmm. movement and. I have to be reminded of the blessing of movement. No, I might not be able to get up and run a 5K right now, but mm-hmm. I can get up and run down the hallway. Mm-hmm. I love... You know that, what I mean? Like, like that, I that can. Breaking it down. I love that breaking it down to like the most simple, simple of things of I can move. Yeah, because there may be a time in life, God willing, if I'm making it so far that I may not be able to move in the same way. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. 
And I think that like um, that simplest of I can move. Also, when you go out and you eat and you like and get dessert and you do something that like you, you know, just you're doing something so that you can really enjoy in that same vein of I can move. Sometimes I have to remind myself that like I am allowed to enjoy. Yeah. And I like always felt like I just needed to like restrict that and I wasn't allowed to feel that joy or or have those moments of just, um, you know, I'm allowed to have this experience of when that guilt comes in of like, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, yeah, this is this is exactly what you shouldn't be doing. Negative feelings to something that shouldn't be negative. Like, mm-hmm. I just it's so life is hard enough. Like, it I don't want to just be dragging around hate, hate for myself. And hatred Mm-mm. for myself and automatically feeling like I need to cuss myself out when I'm just walking through the world. I think that body positivity is one of those things that people might roll their eyes at, but it's so necessary for all of us because we're also uniquely ourselves. And there are people who do things to, quote unquote, fix their appearance and change who and what they are and I don't call them any less body positive. I think it's people like whether it's surgery or extreme weight loss, whatever the case, it's like you feel so good about yourself that you want to do this for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think everybody has their cross to bear when it comes to being a human body. And even Kim Kardashian is insecure about her body and things that she's willing to share in that way. And so it's like, even she feels insecure about her body and, and things like that. So it's like, eh, it ain't going away. It's up to us. Every little movement is up to us on how we take care of ourselves and change I think it. it's another great point that like you can talk about people who, you know, have that ideal body or they're the picture of health. And I think what's really liberating is that those people still have the same struggles and they still think that, oh, I could change this or I could change that. Or people oh, who, yeah. who seemingly are so comfortable in their own skin, someone like Lizzo, that, you know, there's things that that she has her her moments of where she doesn't love herself 100 percent. Yeah. And that's really empowering to know that, like, that's a, a human experience. It's not always going to be there. Yeah. Exactly. There's this woman who I follow and I met, actually, we were on a, a panel together for a body positivity conference. And her name is Danae Mercer. Hey, Danae. Shout out to Danae. Um, she became a new mother and she spends her time on social media debunking, you know, these perfect pictures and showing people what angles people do and what apps people use. And she just, she blows it all up and says it's Mm -hmm. all fake. And in her documenting herself, because she had an eating disorder growing up and she has overcome that eating disorder and shares her body and her flab and all of that. And then has also shared her growing body in pregnancy. And she has since had her daughter And she shares now, like, ain't no snapback. Like, I know that y'all see these all over the internet. And, you know, every, and she's not, you know, a a plus size person at all. She's an average size woman, but she had a baby and she's showing, she was like, not everybody tells you that you still look pregnant um, afterwards, even though you have your baby and your stomach is there and you're trying to figure out this body as you're like at the most exhausted you've ever been in your life physically and mentally and all this stuff. And she was like, and I look like this and I could be sad about it, but I'm very glad that my body was able to birth this mm. child and my body was able to nourish this child and carry it because she's also faced a lot of infertility issues and and miscarriages and things like that. And so her showing her body and everything it does and how she still got belly. And I'm just like, yo, it's so normal, but it's revolutionary what she's doing. It's so crazy how these things that like, it's, you know, things that we all go through and these like very normal moments. I think that since we've had social media, we've really celebrated these like abnormal people that like it really becomes revolutionary when someone can share a normal experience. Right. Right. Normal. Normal. Like it is so normal for your body to change and grow and deflate and inflate. And it's important. It means it's working. 
Hello, hallelujah, somebody. Somebody. It's working. Hallelujah. It is working. (laughs) And you know, Danielle, I want to talk a little bit about like how society views body positivity. And one of those things is, you know, we look at people who are skinny and, uh, uh, and that's something that's been really glorified in the past, being really skinny. I don't know if we still glorify skinny anymore, no. are we? Are we over I think skinny? We're, honestly, I think we're like so... Uh, can I be honest about like I, like, I think the body positivity movement is great. And this is my hot take. I think we're like done talking about bodies. Like, can we, I think like, like yeah, stop talking like, about. Let's normalize just getting over yeah. it. Like everybody move on. Lizzo's in a bikini. Pregnant women give birth and still have bellies. I got cellulite everywhere. It's like, it's okay. Like we all have it's okay. Body. Let's move it's on. It's just like so tired. Like this ongoing so discussion. Tired. Of, so yesterday. It's so, it is so, and that's actually what Hillary Duff's song was about. It was about. So yesterday. So yesterday. And she was actually talking about <laughs> my body. And I was going, Hillary, come Listen, on. Listen, be kind to yourselves out here. It's hard enough. Talk nice to yourself. Treat yourself like something or someone that you love. Pretend you're Beyonce. Pretend you're Beyonce. I I honestly strive to pretend that I'm Beyonce. I'm every chance every I second of my existence. <laughs> Danielle, there's another thing I want to talk about. So there were so many different things that when I was training that we would have to do. And so like every year I would get this scan and it was called a DEXA scan. Oh God, that sounds like very close to BMI. It's three (laughs) letters and that's kind of where the similarities end. And so basically like it was it was horrifying to do this because it would it would show you your full muscle index and it would show you fat and it would like oh see so yeah and, and as you did it through so like um i i did it over a course of 10 years and so i could see how i would develop and a lot of times they they would show you the paper but they wouldn't really explain it to you mm-hmm. and it was basically going into this like research chart of like tracking different athletes and their body types. And it was so interesting because that when I when I retired, I was like, okay, now it's time to like lift the curtain. And can you explain this to me? I'm never going to do a DEXA scan again. Are you kidding me? Right. And so it was really interesting because they could show me the body types of different athletes. And it was they they showed that the healthiest athletes um, in different sports, the kind of fat that they needed to carry in order to perform at their highest level. And they, they recorded this in, in female and, and male athletes, you know, people who, who struggled and, and, and just had this idea that they needed to be as thin as possible, that they found that like the athletes that were breaking these records or they were the most healthy or they had the longest careers, they actually had some of the higher fat content stored like it was better for their nervous system. It was Mm -hmm. better for their training. And so it was just really interesting to be a part of and then learn about like that, that study that they were doing. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do with it? (laughs) They are actually going to send it to us and we're going to read it out loud. No, I have no idea. I don't know what they're going to do. Do I look like a scientist? Oh, yeah, I mean, see, kind the, of. <laughs> I guess I kind like if I kind of look at myself, I do kind of have like it's a, a science science, science is core you're giving. Mhm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that it feels intimidating. I don't want to be scanned by any of that. No. I would say that I think that's why in sports it gets like everything is about your body. Everything is about your like when I think about being an athlete, I'm like that is the craziest fucking thing you could ever do because it's like there's no job in the world where like if you have like a cramp where like your whole career could be over cuz you don't right. feel well. Right. And so that's why I think athletes get so hooked on the body. And it's and when you can make that switch and hopefully you do of like, I have to celebrate all of the things that this does for me and I have to keep it healthy and it's about longevity. I think that's when as an athlete, your your sense of self improves. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like as a human, same. I think when it comes to being positive about your body, it's really, it's just tough 
when you, honest to goodness, don't feel good about your body. And you oh, just yeah. can't it's really impossible. seem to wrap your hands around it. It just seems like nothing you can do is going to make it any any different. And I just, and you're watching all these people do filters and edit everything and just, you know, it's so it's so much pressure to look a certain way. And I just, what is even the way? I know. I know for, for, for me, I, I always try to focus on, I, I actually look at myself in the mirror so much less now. And I really try to focus on like, how do I feel? Do I feel limber? Do I feel like I have energy? Do I feel strong? Yeah. And if I feel those things, then how I look, then it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. It'll correlate, but it's more important that I feel that good, I feel good. And I feel strong and I feel capable. That's real. I like that. You I can, like that. You can borrow it. You can take, take it. it. Please just take it. <laughs> it's mine now. <laughs> so Adam so Danielle I think you know when it comes to body positivity we are normalizing it like everybody is different everybody has their own individual body it's up to us to love our skin and the insides and to be unapologetic about who we are and sharing ourselves that way and also like <laughs> the media doesn't get to dictate what we look like like no. that's up to us no, the media has been trying to dictate what I look like specifically for years. I know, they've been all on your neck with it. And like, honestly, I'm glad that you rebelled. I rebelled and I went, this is the body I have. And they did not want to accept it. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> this is who I am. So listen, everybody, please just be nice to yourself. Treat yourself like somebody you love. And you don't have to even celebrate it. You can just get to the acceptance and then we'll grow to celebrate the body that you yes. are in, but it's yours. It's yours. It's a journey and we're all on the same journey. It's accepting yourself for everything that you are and then celebrating it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for saying exactly what I just said. <laughs> good night, everyone. I'm quitting. <laughs> Adam was like, that was good. I'm going to say it as well. <laughs> Wait, I really like that. Hold on. How many how do I say it in exactly the same words? <laughs> My Melania. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Danielle. Yes. I think are you ready for my favorite part of the show? Mhm. Mm to keep it okay I'm very ready. So for you first timers, which I listen, if you, this is your first time, welcome. We love you. We love you. For you tried and truers of normalize this, you know it. You love it. You love keep it. Keep it or curb it is a segment where we take a good look at new social trends and we decide whether they're worth keeping or core. Bang. Or Koibin. Or Koibin. <laughs> <laughs> so I have um I have my first keeper curb. Are you ready? Yes. So a recent study conducted by Standout CV found I don't know that them. over I don't know them, but I, I'm willing to hear them out. Okay. Okay. So Standout CV found that over 55.5% of people have lied on their resume at Ooh. least once. <laughs> men are more likely to lie on a resume with 59.9% mm -hmm. of men admitting to lying compared to 50.6% mm. of women. Man be Younger lying. people are more likely to lie on a resume than older people. Oh, yeah. So 66.6% of 18 through 25-year-olds said that built they on have lies. lies. <laughs> yeah, they're they're made of lies. Like eight, <laughs> teenagers you're and, 18 and early to 25, teens, you're only that's lying. That's a lie. That is a lie. Lying is your love young. language. And so I, people aged um, 65 and older, they only lied, they said 26.2% of that age range. They were, might be liars, lying about that, but... Which that feels like a lie. Yeah. So what do you think lying on a resume? I think stretching the truth, obviously, I mean, is, hello. is required. All, that is a resume, like, unspoken thing, is that we are stretching the truth. We are making ourselves look better than we actually look. It's on paper. So, like, 
we have to get the job. Right. You have to sell yourself. You got to sell yourself. You got to make sure that you are reaching the job description and extending beyond it. You got to sound top notch. You got to sound hireable. So I get it. Um, And as someone who's definitely not lied, but like have, like you said, stretched the truth, you know, fibbed a little on a resume. I think it is uh, something to keep but also keep my eye on you because don't be yeah, lying to keep, get... But keep my eye on. You know what I mean? On. Like, I can't... You can lie to get your little, like... I don't want to say little to belittle anybody's job, but you can lie to get your... uh whatever, insert blue-collar job here. But don't be lying when it comes to, like, surgery and... Um, <laughs> things that you need to have you gotta have the credentials babe like yeah don't come in here being a fake doctor like that boy I forget his name shout out to Dr. Love something or other but he was like a fake doctor and had a whole practice wait what oh my god wait Danielle I do you remember him no I don't remember him but I have a good story for you so I uh, was just home in Pennsylvania and my mom was showing me like this little baby book and my mom very like casually nonchalant says, oh, yeah, because it said who delivered me like at the hospital. And I was like, oh, doctor so-and-so. And And my mom's like, yeah, he's in jail now. And she just dropped it there. And I went, "Okay, Kelly, you're going to have to explain why the the doctor who delivered me is in jail. My mom told me that he was not a real doctor. See, that's like, I found him. That's like Dr. in the quotes, Malachi Love Robinson. He was a teenager impersonating a doctor. No. And he's... What kind of doctor? I feel like he was given just like, you know, general, but if he was giving <laughs> he OBGYN... Was just giving general. You know what I mean? Like general <laughs> medicine. <laughs> Shoot. But you that's got scary. delivered by a doctor who's now a prisoner? Yeah. Well, that's checking out, isn't it? It, yeah. And my mom had a C-section and she said he was not a doctor. And my mom found out that he wasn't a doctor. Oh, yeah, Danielle, it gets worse. So it wasn't, Kelly didn't just sit there. Kelly's my mom. She didn't just sit there and push. She was sawed in half by a a liar. (laughs) Now that seems illegal. I mean, Dr. Dr. Malachi Love is in prison. Right. And that's who delivered me, Dr. Malachi Love. Yes, he was like 18 years old practicing medicine. That's honestly, okay, work. (laughs) If I walk into the office, I'm asking questions because he looked like an 18-year-old. Like, (laughs) I just need to understand. There's so many things. How did your mom, how... How did she survive? And then how? Well, so this is my 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 mom. Obviously, because um, I'm a businessman, I went, you obviously sued when you found out. My mom goes, right. no. And I went, what? How did you find out? And she, my mom told me she found out because there, um, there were a bunch of people coming together to file a lawsuit against the hospital and the doctor. And my mom is like, well, this no, is crazy. everything was just kind of fine. So I was just like, no. And I was like, oh, my God, our whole life could have been different. Not everything was fine. Listen. Yeah, everything was fine. No, don't do it. Another documentary. I forget the name of it. I think it's Our Father. On the, Also on Netflix. But it's about a doctor who was like impregnating women with his own seed. Oh, my God. For like a, over a decade. What? And I just thought about, yeah, because in watching it, it was like a lot of these women were like uh, dealing with infer- infertility and were going in to, you know, get uh, fertilized and all this stuff. And so they are dealing with, he now he was actually a doctor, yes, but he's still this is a mad malpractice. Like you cannot put your semen in these people. And they kind of no, found that's out. actually the first thing they teach you in medical school. Do not Don't put your put semen your in, semen these in your patients. Right. <laughs> it's but on like the, they, it's on the first it was page. just like the children, one of the girls was like started researching and all this stuff and come to find out like all the moms had these like stories about going to that doctor by themselves. And it's just, it was really crazy. So I'm just like, how in the world can people fake it in this field? 
and get away with the thing. I mean, he hasn't gotten away with it now. And obviously your guy is in prison, but (laughs) yeah, he's in the same cell as Dr. Malachi Love. (laughs) I don't know. How How did Dr. Malachi Love do it? He had an office. (laughs) (laughs) He was 18 at an office. That That's people so went to. crazy. I, honestly, I would go to Doctor Malachi Love. He said he was he was giving y'all medical uh, advice, but not real medical advice. It's like, no, he was googling it. I'm treating you, but not you know medically. Either way, we are keeping lying on the resume, but like, <laughs> but don't be a doctor. Not, don't do it if you're a doctor or a neurosurgeon or no. you you were trying to work at NASA. Like the stuff that's like, I really need your brain to be yeah. what you say it is. I want my neurosurgeons to be truth tellers, please. Truth. Don't be lying, Doctor Malachi. No, Doctor Malachi. Up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam. Yes. Next, keep it or curb it. I'm ready. According to a recent study from the Western and Southern Life Insurance Company. Okay, that's a lot of land. (laughs) The West and the South. So obviously I'm looking at the South with like squinted eyes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) To to their research in quotes. (laughs) So you're researching now in the South. Okay. (laughs) I can say that because I'm from the South. Um, (laughs) One in three couples have waited until after marriage to discuss important financial topics Uh, after uh, marriage. Wrong. Which includes salary. Uh Uh-huh. That's like 27.2% of the couples. Spending habits, 25.1%. Debt, 24.9%. Like, we got to talk about debt. Yeah. Retirement and savings is 39.1%. And not many couples have had financial discussions with their partner within the first month of dating besides salary. Mm Mm-hmm. Oof. This is, I'm just, oh, Lord, I could not marry without knowing all of these things. No way. But finances are also the number two reason for divorce behind, you guessed it, infidelity. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's one of them discussions that is very important in any relationship, but in new relationships, is it something that we are going to be doing? Um, I know you are married. I'm Mm -hmm. newly single. So I'm wondering, should we keep our curb lying or not lying? Maybe just keeping (laughs) it from our partner or having financial conversations with them early. I mean, um, I tell me. I'm not marrying you without some financial history. No, I think that I need to know. I need to know what I'm getting myself into if we're getting married. But doesn't tell me just I want your kind of opinion. I feel like a month in is a little it's that's kind of it's soon to be talking soon. about. All of this. I'm not even sure about you a month in. Yeah, I don't I, need to know about your Roth things, IRA. Yeah, there's certain things about your finances I would like to know within that month maybe like if you do like I'll just observe your your observe your spending habits or inquire about like you you know if you make certain bad decisions financially I'll I'll look at that I'll consider it but if we are new I don't want to worry myself with your finances just yet but I've also never dated anyone with quote-unquote finances (laughs) So there was nothing to worry about. You know what I mean? Like to the point where you can call them finances. Like I'm still date. I'm still waiting to date someone that I could consider your finances. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't think I want to discuss any of that a month in, but I'm definitely not waiting until after marriage. No way. No way, Jose. There is no way that I'm waiting until after marriage. I think that I love the point that you made, and this is exactly what I did when I, I was dating, was that like, I was just, I needed to observe what was going on. Because like people, I just wanted to know, I don't feel like people can like change their like spending habits or whatever. So I wanted to get a pulse on like, how do you spend money? How do you save money? Um, what what are you able to to do? Like, what is, are you like spending everything that you make and then you need to m- make money to keep spending yeah. in this vicious cycle? Like, what? I don't want to date anybody or even get to the marriage part that somebody's like whole 
finances can be blown up by an inconvenience. Totally. I want somebody like, who's responsible. Can, yeah, I can. I get that it can be kind of crazy or something like a devastating diagnosis happens and you got to get your, you know, meta, the medical field, as we know, is they be lying. I'm just kidding. It's but they, be, they be expensive. Malachi love. <laughs> it's, it's expensive to be sick in this country. So I can only imagine like what it would take if something health wise came along. But I just don't want you to be ruined from that. No. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want you to have to need me if your car breaks down. Yeah. You know what I, Like, is that sounding crazy? No, like, you that's know what not I mean? sounding crazy. Because I think definitely, I think that, like, dynamics change in relationships and, you know, whatever. But I think that, like, there's a point where you're dating someone and if it's in the beginning stages, the early stages, you shouldn't be, like responsible for somebody's poor financial choices when like it's still early and you're still dating. I think that like to have these conversations, obviously like things come up like when you get married, you, you there should be transparency of like the money that's coming in. And sometimes like you'll come together and you'll make a big purchase together or it's just it's it's different. But I think that it's really important to have like a good overall picture of of what's there and how yeah. and what's your like plan because going into like a, a marriage it's all about like the long haul so what's your long-term plan together because you're going to be making a lot of if not all of those big decisions together exactly exactly and i think that is very important to to get out there in your relationship but no i'm not we're gonna curb talking about our finances until after the marriage <laughs> we curb in that yeah we curb it but what am, i'm gonna i think that we should talk about them when you decide that you're serious i think if you're serious yeah. that's when it's like that's when you talk about kids that's like when if you we're talk moving about, in together or yes. you know like it's got to be some real decadent commitment for me to like really want to <laughs> dig into your financial history yeah. and stuff but i also don't want to learn a lot of stuff and discourage that discourages me from being in a relationship with you. Right. And also, you know, the thing that was really important to me when it came to finances that like this was like my general thought of finances in a relationship was that somebody was able to take care of themselves, that what they did for work, that they enjoyed and that they earned money through a passion, regardless of what level of income that was. And that they were responsible with what they made, because that was really important to me that like when I was looking for, you know, when I was dating, I wanted to just find somebody who enjoyed what they did and was responsible with the money that they made and that like wouldn't put themselves in weird or bad or uncomfortable situations, thus in the future, putting me in a bad or uncomfortable position. Yeah, don't I don't I'm not going to be broke ever again. No, I refuse. I truly do refuse to be broke. Legitimately refuse. So don't even be bringing that broke energy over here. No, leave it out. <laughs> leave it with Dr. Malachi Love. Malachi Love and the doctor that delivered Adam. Yes, okay? please. Ugh. Well, Adam. Well, Danielle. I feel really good about our body positivity conversation and also the things that we are keeping and curbing. What is your favorite takeaway from this episode? Um, hmm, there's so many takeaways, mm -hmm. but I think my favorite is when you broke it down of when you have those feelings of insecurity or I shouldn't be here or what am I doing of breaking it all the way down to the basics of like, I deserve to enjoy things. I can move. My body does these amazing things for me. I'm lucky that I'm able yeah. to do different things. And when you break it down and, and it gives you something to be grateful for, it totally changes your perspective. And that was something that you brought up that I really love. I think that's my biggest takeaway. What about for you? Wow. Adam, you made me sound just... Truly prolific. No, and... you make yourself sound prolific. <laughs> I just literally just repeat things that you say. Honestly, use this episode as the proof of that, that Adam literally just repeats what I say. <laughs> hey, I take think, it. I, listen, that's smart. It's just smart. I'm being smart. Um, My favorite takeaway is that, listen, all of us are here to be in the bodies that we're in. And... This is, as far as we know, this is all we got. 
and um, recommitting to loving and just um, and the very minimal accepting oneself, one's body, and and talking positively to it, um, breaking the cycle of the negative talk, like mm-hmm. really being strict about like allowing yourself to be, you know, to to break through that negative self talk, which is so easy, is one of the the takeaways that I'm gonna take away. I think you should take that away because I still I'm going to put it in the toolbox box because it's really <laughs> one of those things that I genuinely struggle with on a daily minute to minute basis is being kind to myself. Mm-hmm. So my biggest takeaway is, is keep practicing my kindness to, towards myself. Treat somebody like somebody I love. That is very real. Treat yourself You're like welcome. somebody you love. You're huh. welcome. Do it. I do it. I think I will do it. And on that note, Danielle, I think that's our time for today. Oh, my God. I love you all for listening to us. Yes, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We we love you. Thank you so much for sending in your requests for things that we should normalize. I'm loving your DMs. I'm so loving them. I'm loving them, too. So make sure that you rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and reach out to us and keep giving us topics to normalize. We love it. We My handles, love it. We do. We love it. Keep it or curb <laughs> it. <laughs> My handles um, are at Adam Rip on Instagram and at Adam Rip on, on Twitter. So don't be shy. And Danielle, tell everybody how they can get a hold of you, please. First of all, you are amazing for sliding in my DMs if you've already done that, because like Adam said, y'all have been sending in some amazing topics that we are continually combing through and doing. So thank you for that. Um, Keep sliding. Keep sliding. (laughs) On Twitter, it's RapsoDanny, R-H-A-P-S-O-D-A-N-I. And on Instagram, it's at the Danielle Young. Like Adam said, let us know what you think and if you have things that you want us to normalize. That is all for now, ladies and gents, gents and ladies and everything in between. Thank you for listening. We will see you and and be in your eardrums next time on Normalize This. Until then, love yourself like somebody you love. Love yourself like somebody you love. That's an amazing, that's amazing. Danielle, you are incredible for real. Thank you. Adam, you're your own best thing, babes. You got to treat yourself like it. I will. All right, everybody. Thank you. We love you. Hey, listeners, we want to hear from you. Make sure you're following at Make Spring Hill on all platforms for weekly show updates.